All right, let's pray. Father, we just come before this morning, Lord, just in recognition, Lord, that you are the great I am, Father. Lord, that um, as we look into your word this morning, Lord, that you would just help the eyes of our hearts to be lifted upward towards you. Father, that your Holy Spirit would just move among us, Lord, just uh, pray for your spirit, your presence here, Lord, that you would just um, be here, Lord. Uh, we know that you are here, and we thank you, and Lord, we just ask all these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning, Mercy Hill. Um, I want to thank each and every one of you for coming out to worship with us this morning. Um, for those of us that have been following along in our reading plan, know that this week we've been reading in Samuel chapter 17. Um, so if you care to open your Bibles up to Samuel chapter 17, we'll be going through the story um, of David and Goliath. And um, as we're reading through this story, thinking to ourselves, how does this story apply to us and to my life today? Um, the story is not just a story about a boy defeating a giant. In fact, it has a whole deeper and larger meaning. It is a story of, throughout the Bible, of God and Satan, how he is redeeming us, and how he has chosen, in this story, he has chosen David to fight, just as he chooses us to fight in the battle. But because of the victory that has already been won on the cross, we actually are able to fight from victory and not fighting to victory. Let's look at a couple different views in the battle uh, today and uh, help us understa understand of uh, how we should engage. So just briefly, for those of us that um, maybe haven't been uh, in the reading through the Bible reading plan, uh, we're going to look what Paul says in Acts 13, just, just kind of give a little bit of context to what, where we are and what we've been reading. So Paul says, Men of Israel and you who fear God, listen. The God of this people Israel chose our fathers and made the people great during the stay in the land of Egypt. With uplifted arm, he led them out of it, and for about 40 years, he put up with them in the wilderness. And after destroying seven nations in the land of Canaan, he gave them their land as an inheritance. All this took about 450 years. And after that, he gave them judges until Samuel the prophet. Then they asked for a king, and God gave them Saul, the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of of the tribe of Benjamin for 40 years. And when he was removed, he raised up David to be their king, of whom he testified and said, I have found in David the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. And of this offspring, God has brought to Israel a savior, Jesus, as he promised. Before his coming, John had proclaimed a baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. And as John was finishing his course, he said, What do you suppose that I am? I am not he, no. But behold, after me is the one who is coming, the sandals of whose feet I am unworthy to 
who I am not worthy to untie. So we can see, kind of gives us the context of the story that we're in today. Um, so if we look at the first part in chapter 17, we're going to be reading um, the first 12 verses. Um, and kind of what I want, to, want us to look at here is uh, how we see in this story uh, knowing our enemy. So let's read in chapter 17. Now the Philistines gathered their army for battle, and they were gathered at Soko, which belongs to Judah, and encamped between Soko and Ezekah, and in emphasis Damin. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered and encamped in the valley of Elah, and drew up in the line of battle against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on the mountain on one side, and the Israelites stood on the mountain on the other side, with the valley in between them. So if you kind of picture, there's, there's these two armies, thousands of men on either side of the mountainside, and in the valley is where the battle is going to be held. And there came out from the camp of the Philistines a champion named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span, which is approximately... I don't know, anywhere between, I'm not familiar with this exact, but it, from what I read, it's approximately between seven or nine feet. Basically, he was a pretty huge dude. Um, he had a helmet of bronze on his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. And he had a bronze armor on his legs, a javelin of bronze slung between his shoulders. The shaft of his spears was like a weaver's beam, and his spears had... Spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron, and his shield bearer went before him. So he was very well armed, um, and he was ready for battle. He stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why have you come out to draw up for battle? Am I not a Philistine, and are you not servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourself, and let him come down. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if he is to prevail against me and kill him, but if I am to prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistines said, I defy the ranks of Israel today. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were greatly dismayed and greatly afraid. So the Philistines, or the, the Israelites, were looking on, on Goliath, and they were... Uh, afraid. Goliath was planting seeds of doubt and fear into the Israelites' minds and hearts. And obviously he was succeeding, right? He, he was doing this day after day. And having, having the Israelites look on his appearance and also by doing that he was making them look on their own appearance and in their, in their own strength on how they can defeat him. Instead of looking on to the God that they serve, for their strength. Isn't that exactly what our enemy does today? He whispers in our ears. He tries to get our focus on ourselves and off of God. How often in my own life, when I'm facing difficult situations, do I tend to focus on my own strength? How can I resolve this situation without seeking God first? So who is our enemy? If we read in Ephesians Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, 
but against the rulers, against authorities, and against the cosmic powers over this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So often us as Christians struggle with the wrong things because we don't understand who the enemy is. We think maybe our enemy is the person who cuts us off on the road. The person who gives us a negative comment on social media maybe. Or maybe sometimes it's even our wife or our husband in a bad marriage, right? But knowing that our enemy is Satan, trying to discourage us, trying to get us to look on ourselves and doubt our faith in the goodness of God. If we understand that enemy and understand that we are to engage, um, how we can be equipped to engage, Um, I was trying to think of something that would make make sense here. So I enjoy playing basketball, um, but I think it would be, if, I try to put myself in this, if, if, I think it would be really confusing if you were in a game. Picture yourself, there's a, there's a whole team of basketball players, right? Uh, everybody has the same uniforms. There's no no color difference or anything. How do we know who our opponent is if we are not able to recognize and discern and and how how are we able to discern who our enemy is which leads us leads us to the second point in the passage knowing our god intimately only through god can we know and be able to discern who the enemy is so let's look in verse uh 12 we'll see we'll how the story proceeds about David. Now David was the son of an Ephrathite of Bethlehem in Judah, named Jesse, who had eight sons. In the days of Saul, the man was already old and advanced in years. I'm going to read kind of fast just so we don't spend too much time. So, uh, The three oldest sons of Jesse had followed Saul to the battle, and the names of his sons went to the battle where Eliab, the firstborn, and next to him were Abinadab and the third Shammah. David was the youngest. The three eldest followed Saul, but David went back and forth from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. For 40 days, the, Israel, the Philistine came forward and took his stand, morning and evening. And Jesse said to David, his son, take for your brothers an ephah of this parched grain and these lo- 10 loaves and carry them quickly to the camp to your brothers. And also take 10 Jesus to the command of their thousands. See if your brothers are well and bring some token for them. Now Saul and they and all the men of Israel were fighting in the valley of Elah, fighting with the Philistines. And David rose early in the morning and left the sheep with the keeper and took provisions and went, as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the encampment as the host was going out to the battle line, shouting the war cry. And the Israel and, Israel and the Philistines drew up for battle, army against army, and David le- left the things in charge of the keeper of the baggage and ran to the ranks and went and greeted his brothers. As he talked with them, behold, the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, came up out of the ranks of the Philistines and spoke the same words as before. And David heard him. And just like before, all the, all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were much afraid. 
Have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he can come up to defy Israel. And the king will enrich the man who kills him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make him of his father's house free in Israel. And David said to the man who stood by him, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? David recognized who the enemy was here and, and what he was doing. And the people answered him in the same way, So shall it be done for him who, for the, to the man who kills him. Now Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he had spoke to the man, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David and said, Why have you come down, and with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your presumption and the evil of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. And David said, What have I done? Was it not but a word? And he turned away from him and toward another and spoke in the same way. And the people answered him again as before. When the words that David spoke were heard, they repeated them after Saul, and, and he sent for his servant. And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight this Philistine. And Saul said to David, You are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, but you are but a youth, and this man has been a war from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant has kept... Your servant used to keep sheep for his father, and when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered him out of his mouth. But if he arose against me, I caught him by the beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be one of them, like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. And, David, and Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. So here we see David, he's seeing his enemy in a completely different way that Saul and the rest of the Israelites are, are viewing them. Why? Because David's faith was in the Lord and not on himself. David knew his God intimately. He was walking in faith from victory from his previous battles with the lion and the bear, and he knew that the battle was the Lord's and that he would give uh, the Israelites the victory. David isn't concerned about what his brothers or what Saul thinks about what he is saying or viewing, how he views Goliath, right? He knows who God is in his life through the Holy Spirit, and that same Holy Spirit, if we look back a little bit, when David was anointed as king, when he was still young, which I'm not sure of the timeline here, but it says the, the, the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David. That same Holy Spirit is with us to, in, in us today if we believe and have confessed of, of the work that was done on the cross. Are we willing to step out in faith as David did? Are we excited? Are we confident? Or do we have a lackluster faith and are being swayed one way or another depending on who we talk to? We know of God, but we don't know God.
I remember um, the first time I went to Uganda. Uh, I don't know. I think it was back in 2011. Um, we we went there. Me and my sister went, and we had no clue who who we were going to go meet. So uh, we were anticipating in faith that whoever we were meeting, I mean, we had an idea. It was a pastor from over there, but we had we didn't know how I, what he looked like. We didn't know who he was exactly. We just had you know we had faith. And once we got there, he would recognize that, uh, who we were. So we got there. Um, anyway, we, we, when, on the way over, we were thinking to ourselves, you know, how in the world are, are they, is he going to recognize who we are? Well, in our minds, we didn't think about it, but traveling there, it was fairly easy for him to recognize who we were because... In that country in Uganda is uh, predominantly not white people, right? So uh, sitting on a bus load while we were coming off, there was probably like 50 or 60 people off that bus. It was fairly easy for him to recognize who we were, although for us to recognize who, who he was was a little bit more difficult. Anyway, um, I was just kind of wanted to tie that in as far as, you know, anticipating in faith of what, um, knowing what God has done for us, we know in faith we can, uh, we can trust in the Lord for what he has done. Um, so as we read on in the story, so Saul clothed David with his armor. He put a helmet of bronze on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail. And David strapped his sword over his armor, and he tried in vain to go, for he had not tested them. And David said to Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not tested them. So David took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the brook and put them in his shepherd's pouch. His sling was in his hand, and he approached the Philistine. And the Philistine moved forward and came to David with his shield-bearer in front of him. And the Philistine looked and saw David. He disdained him, for he was but a youth, ruddy and handsome in appearance. And the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. The Philistine said to David, Come to me, I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the field. And then David said to Philistine, You come to me with a sword and a spear and with a javelin. And I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and cut off your head, and I will give your dead bodies of the host to the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the field, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with sword and spear, but for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hand. David recognized that it was not in his own strength that he was going to defeat Goliath, right? That 
that God was not going to stand by and let his people be uh, mocked and ridiculed. When the Philistine arose and came and drew near to David, David ran quickly towards the battle line to meet the Philistine, and David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone and slung it and struck the Philistine on his forehead. The stones sank into his forehead and he, his, he fell on the face to the ground. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. There was no sword in the hand of David. Then David ran and stood over the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of his sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. And when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. And all the men of Israel and Judah rose with a shout and pursued the Philistines as far as Gath. So David, God allowed David to be victorious in this battle because he had promised David to be the next king. He had anointed him to be the next king. So this, this story also helps establish his fame in the area um, which eventually, as we keep reading in Samuel, allows him to, uh, people recognize who he is and uh, eventually he, he does take the throne. So how does, this, how does the point of this passage particularly relate to us today? Well, I think there are some direct parallels between, between David and this story and Jesus, how he defeated a much bigger giant that we each face today. Even though the Bible clearly states David was a man after God's heart and was one of the greatest kings in the Bible and God remains faithful, he and the other kings of the, New, of the Old Testament continue to obey God, disobey God's commands and disappoint the people of God. As we know, there is a king that God promised to establish his kingdom through forever. Through the line of David came another king, Jesus that would completely transform the way we are able to worship and know God. Because of what Jesus did on the cross in defeating our ultimate enemy, sin, we can now live in victory just as David did through faith in what was done on the cross when Jesus said, it is finished. That victory had been won. If we looked in Romans Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him, we also have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we also rejoice in our suffering. Do we rejoice in our suffering? Knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character. And character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Because God love, God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For, on, for one will scarcely die for a righteous person. Though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. 
But God shows His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore now we have been justified by His blood, much more shall we be saved by Him from the wrath of God. For if while we were still enemies, we reconciled, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son. Much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by His life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received reconciliation. Do we believe in the finality of the work that Jesus did on the cross? If so, are we allowing the gospel to transform us? So I, I do remodeling, and in my mind picture, maybe kind of funny to some of you, but um, in my mind I was thinking about the way the gospel transforms us and the way the Holy Spirit wants to transform us, right? So I look, we do a lot of gutting of houses, okay? So the way I picture this is going in, we do go in and tear out everything down to the bare bones and then try to make it more beautiful, put it back together, right? Well, this is kind of a picture of what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our lives. He wants to come in and he wants to, he wants to take everything evil from our hearts. He wants to, to gut our hearts, so to speak, right? And he wants to fill it up with what, what the truth of God has, to, has for us. Because of ourselves, there is nothing good in us. In Colossians we read, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on the things that are on the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who, appears, who your life appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Die to yourself every day, right? Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when we were when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of our Creator. Here there is not Greek, Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if, 
If you have a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, you must also forgive. And above all these things on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful that let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in wisdom, singing psalms and hymns, or singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in our hearts. And whatever you do in word and deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Worship team, you can come up. So if we truly believe in the power of of what Jesus did on the cross. Are we stepping out in faith like David did? Do we care about the people around us who don't know the gospel? Are we allowing the gospel to transform us? These are just a few questions that I ask myself. So hopefully today um, we can look to ourselves in our hearts and see if, if the gospel is being transformed in our hearts and let the Holy Spirit uh, convict us if not. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this day. Father, we thank you for your word. Father, we thank you for, um, Lord, that you transform.